0: Net zero, very bluntly, means nothing for you. It means net zero for your car. It means basically zero everything. Zero farmland, zero cows now, zero planes, zero normality, pretty much. Instead, as Greta Blunderburg, she's a great plan. I don't know if you've heard it before, but Greta Blunderberg is basically an advocation for sailing around the world on a boat like we're in the bloody 15th century. That is what she's an advocation for. And even worse than this, it's not just a silly little girl. That is an advocation for the most crazy policy in the history of the universe. But further, politicians, instead of saying, no little girl, you're a bit thick and you're a bit stupid because you're 13 years old. Instead, they're saying, yes, I totally understand Greta. I agree with you. This is totally and utterly true. You know, this is all real. We need to end the world instantaneously and, and, and we need to ban all planes as they've done in France. We need to now sail around the world on a boat. That is how absurd this has got. And Greta, I actually quite fancy living in a great grand house, sailing around the world on my lovely yacht and flying around on a private jet. I actually quite fancy doing amazing things with my life. And I guess everyone is the same. I don't fancy sitting in a cave twiddling our thumbs and literally crying and screaming all day about the supposed climate catastrophe in which you've been calling for the past 10,000 years. Every year, there seems to be a new narrative. The climate is dangerous. all gonna die next year. It's total and utter catastrophization beyond belief. I do not, Blunderberg, want to go ahead with your radical policies, namely killing of billions of people indirectly or directly via the conspicuous rise within energy prices. And I do not fancy driving around the world on a stupid little boat with no heating, with no technology, like people did in the 15th century. If you want to do that, go ahead, you fool. Of course, you can find more truth-seeking narratives and stories Dantons.com and on the shows in which we host on YouTube daily, Rumble, Spotify, you can get this anywhere. You can check out the full shows on Dantons.com for more. Join the journey. This is the truth-seeking platform. This is the show trying to find the truth. We're open to being wrong. If I'm wrong, tell me. I'm going to take your views into consideration, not like the fake, corrupted media. Legacy media is so ideologically wrecked that they act as an undisputable dogma, and they're dying as we speak. The truth of the matter is, we live our life by a story. And we erect a hierarchical story which consists of a primary moral objective, something in which we're aiming towards. And you do this subconsciously, whether you recognize it or not. At the top of this hierarchy is basically the primary moral objective. And within the case of the radical environmentalist movement, the primary moral goal, the primary moral objective in which they're aiming towards is total elimination of all human impact upon the virgin-like planet. This is the story in which they've concocted. Within the environmentalist story, the Earth is viewed as a virgin-like, delicate, nurtural planet, and we, the humans, we're viewed as the evil, capitalistic, patriarchal parasites upon the world. That is the narrative from which they've created. This is a regressive narrative. It's an anti-humanistic narrative. It's a totally absurd narrative. It's a pseudo-religious narrative, and they're stupid within their narrative. And this is why you're seeing within Germany now, despite the fact, since the reunification. This policy of environmentalism is going to reportedly cost around $500 billion by 2030. Simultaneously, the share of fossil fuels has dropped by 1% since this radical environmental green plan in which they've been pushing forward. And two, even better, the price of electricity has rocketed through the roof like no one has ever seen before. And Tucker Carlson, I do feel bad for Tucker. I think that he was a true seeker. I think, for the most part, he was trying to go against the consensus, the narrative, He was willing to question. He was a truth seeker, I believe at least. And I feel bad that he's been booted off the corrupted legacy media, Fox News, in which obviously clearly cannot speak about certain topics. Obviously, things are certainly off-bound. Why in the world would they kick off the highest rated news commentator in American history? In replacement for who? Nobody watches Fox anymore. The reason they're doing this is because there's obviously an agenda. There's people behind the scenes who ensure that certain topics aren't spoken about, and that is legacy media for you. Anyway, let's check out this clip of Tucker Carlson on the environmentalist movement, and he basically reiterates things that I've been saying on the show for many, many years now. The fact that the environmentalist movement is anti-humanistic. People like Paul Ehrlich, they're thick in the head, to be totally frank, and they're bloody stupid. Paul Ehrlich was a man who was an advocation for what he called the population bomb, and this was a book he wrote with his wife. Back in, I believe, the 70s, noting the fact that we are overpopulated as a species, we're going to cause the planet, it, 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 we're going to have an, an environmental catastrophe, and therefore not joking with this. His policy literally was a depopulation narrative. He wanted to implement one child policies. He was in, in, in advocation for really like Nazi, compar- you know, Nazi like principles when it came to depopulation. This This whole kind of notion of humans being a parasite upon the world, humans being analogous to evil. This is analogous to what you see within kind of Nazism. It's really, really scary. So let's check out this clip of Tucker Carlson on Fox a few months ago before he was booted off the show. wonder why, because he spoke the truth. Let's check it out, and then we'll get back to the show.
1: Good evening, and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, it's been a tough couple of years for the experts when it comes to Big public policy questions, complicated adult stuff like war and disease and the economy, really the only things that matter. The assumption in Washington has for many years been that you should not worry about it. Don't sweat the details. That's not your role as a citizen and as a voter. We don't have that kind of democracy, the kind where you might actually participate. No, your job is to trust the experts and their conclusions and then obey them. But COVID kind of blew that up. If there's one thing we learned from that disaster, It's that public policy experts very often had no clue what they were talking about. Your hippie aunt in Mendocino County knew a lot more about how to beat a flu virus than your average virologist on CNN. Your aunt would tell you to go outside, get some exercise, some sunlight, some fresh air, stop eating junk food, turn off your computer once in a while, spend time with other people. Be healthy. That advice worked. The experts, by contrast, made you get the vaccine and that did not work. So by March of 2021, people were starting to figure this out. Anyone who was paying attention in America understood that the experts, many of them, were full of it. And it was exactly at that moment that the Atlantic magazine in Washington published a piece pushing back against the growing consensus. That story was entitled, Following Your Gut Isn't the Right Way to Go. It's hard to think of a funnier headline, really, mostly because it's so spectacularly absurd. You should always trust your gut. Obviously, it is the one thing that will never betray you. But the Atlantic magazine wanted you to know that your natural instincts are, in fact, worthless. The experts had a rough year, the magazine conceded, but we still have to trust them, right? Actually, we don't have to trust them. And on big questions of public policy, we absolutely should not trust them. It's a democracy. But Washington is continuing to demand that we do trust them. Why? There may be a reason. Maybe COVID isn't the only big project they have in mind for us, a project the experts will justify at MSNBC. And indeed it's not. There is the climate change agenda. And the climate change agenda is the single most ambitious effort to remake human civilization in all recorded history. And it's coming. In fact, it's already in progress. The only reason that millions and millions of Americans aren't protesting in the streets tonight over this effort to completely overturn their lives is that on some level, many people still do trust the experts, at least on climate change, but should they? We were pondering that this morning when we saw that the world's most famous climate change expert, Greta Thunberg of Sweden, just deleted a tweet she wrote in June of 2018. Here it is, quote, A top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. Scientist, of course, was a Harvard professor, so obviously that prediction was gonna be correct. But here we are still driving our Silverados and still alive, and some of us are still happy. So it does make you wonder if Greta Thunberg, the greatly revered Greta Thunberg, a perennial finalist for the Nobel Peace Prize, could have gotten that so wrong, what else have the climate experts gotten wrong? And how long have they been getting it wrong? Well, fortunately, the Competitive Enterprise Institute has done the research on this, and it turns out these people have been very wrong for a very long time. 1969, the New York Times was printing climate hysteria from an expert called Paul Ehrlich. Quote, we must realize that unless we're extremely lucky, everybody will disappear in a cloud of blue steam in 20 years. That was Paul Ehrlich in 1969. Well, here it is, 2023, and that same Paul Ehrlich, who's now 90 and still publishing books and still being cited on 60 Minutes, (laughs) is still telling us that we're all gonna die. Now, clearly, Paul Ehrlich, had some sort of traumatic childhood he's been inflicting on the rest of us for over 50 years. And for over 50 years, his fellow experts have taken him seriously. Now, back then, of course, climate change didn't mean global warming, it meant a new ice age. In 1970, the Boston Globe reported, quote, scientists predict a new ice age by 21st century. According to the Globe, air pollution may obliterate the sun and cause a new ice age in the first third of the next century an ice age. In 1972, Brown University's science department sent a letter to the White House explaining that they had deep concern with the future of the world because this ice age falls within the rank of processes which produced the last ice age. Two years later, in 1974, The Guardian reported that, quote, spy satellites show new, new ice age is coming fast. And the report cited, just for moral weight, analysis carried out at Columbia University. Then, A few years later, 1977, the actor Leonard Nimoy who was not a science expert technically, but played one at one point on television, shot this video. We are unprepared for the next advance. The result could be hunger and death on a scale unprecedented in all of history. What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. During the lifetime of our grandchildren, Arctic cold and perpetual snow, could turn most of the inhabitable portions of our planet into a polar desert. Hunger and death on an unprecedented scale!
0: So the reason I bring this up is because recently, according to Blaze.com, they have reported that Ireland has a really just smart policy to solve the climate. You know what we're going to do? Instead of innovation, instead of capitalism, instead of economic incentives, instead of agility from a humanistic standpoint, what we're going to do is kill Thousands and thousands of cows. Now, to be frank, I'm not going to lie, I'm not really an animal person. I don't like animals, I don't like stroking animals, I don't really like cows. But this is just crossing the line. They're killing literally hundreds of thousands of cows to fight climate change. And the reason this is important, as I'll bring up, because I think often politics on the top of the story can seem fairly trivial, and especially for someone who's not really an animal lover, I don't really, I can't, be, you know, I, I'm not really the biggest animal lover, to be frank. But this is crossing the line even for me. Under the surface, this points towards the whole skewed, catastrophized notion of environmentalism, and which is an obsession with CO2. It's a catastrophization, exaggeration of the greenhouse effect. And furthermore, it's totally going to spill over into other areas of life, as we can see within, I believe, the Netherlands now. And The Dutch farmers are basically being screwed over by the World Economic Forum and the environmentalist agenda. So Let's just read through this and see what the Blaze.com has to say. Governmental officials in Ireland are considering a plan to kill 200,000 cows to combat climate change, according to reports. There were multiple reports this week that the Irish government was contemplating a pa- plan to cull 200,000 cows within three years to fight climate change. The Irish Mirror stated that the cows would have to be culled at a cost of $600,000 to taxpayers over the past three years, next three years, to meet their climate emission targets. Of all climate emission targets? Why don't we just end all the human species? Why don't we just ban all cars? Why don't we just ban all planes? Oh, wait, they've done that in France already, specifically for four hour flights. Why don't we just basically go back to the 15th century in which we sit in a cave and do nothing with our life? Why don't we just do that? Sounds great. Pat McCormack, the president of the Irish Milk Supplies Association, declared If there is to be a scheme, it needs to be a voluntary scheme. This is absolutely critical because there is no point in culling numbers from an individual who has borrowed off the back of a huge financial commitment on the back of achieving a certain target that is taken from under him. There seems to be a war on farmers. Poor farmers, I do sympathize with them a lot. There's not many farmers left nowadays. But these farmers have invested thousands and thousands of dollars within cows, and then you're just gonna have the government take them away to say that we need to save the virgin-like planet, and which, by the way, is not going to do anything for the bloody planet. We should be investing in infrastructure that can deliver from a scientific standpoint. And we should know lower emissions are better and we should be continually investing within further science and research because that is absolutely critical as we move forward, says McCormack. Okay, I slightly do agree with him. It's important that we use innovation, capitalism, economic incentives and fundamentally play into the natural agility of humanity, which has got us this far already. The natural agility of humanity, the natural innovation, is why we've had a 98% reduction within climate-related deaths since the 1900s. The natural ag- agility of humanity and innovation of humanity is why we are rapidly eliminating billions of people out of poverty. In the past 30 years, that has occurred at a really exponential rate. The natural agility of humanity is why the world is so unbelievable. And nobody wants to speak about this. So, whilst I don't agree that there's a climate crisis, as we'll get to later on, I do believe that innovation and science should be at the forefront, and these were the principles in which were ingrained within the Enlightenment era, in which nobody wants to speak about anymore. McCormack claimed that the Irish current dairy herd is the same level that it was 30 years ago, but the Irish Mirror reported dairy cows rose 1.4% to 1.6 million in 2022, but over the past decade have increased by around 40%. After the report of the government contemplating to slaughter tens of thousands of cows surfaced, the country's agricultural department issued a statement. A spokesperson for the Department of Agriculture stated that the paper referred to a part process, which is one of the number of modelling documents considered by the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marines, and it's not a final policy decision. As part of the normal work of government departments, various op- options for policy implementations are regularly being considered. Irish Environmental Protection Agency claim that agriculture is responsible for 38% of greenhouse gas emissions in Ireland in 2021 for outpacing transport at nearly 18%. Well, it's great news for the Irish Radical Environmental Protection Agency that they, they should be watching the content at Dantons.com and they should be searching for truth like we do at Dantons.com and they should be watching my, my show regularly at Dantons.com. The reason as to why is because, as we're going to see later on, it is not true whatsoever the conventional notion on greenhouse gases. The greenhouse gas occurs within what I refer to as a diminishing logarithmic effect in comparison to a superlinear or a linear effect, meaning that each additional molecule of CO2 does not equate towards each additional level of warming, and that is something we're going to get into momentarily. The point that I'm making is that the whole narrative on greenhouse gases and CO2 has been overly catastrophized beyond belief, and there are actually great benefits of CO2 and the greenhouse gases, including global greening and fertilization effects in which nobody wants to speak about. You're only going to hear this at Dantons.com on my shows because we have a motive to search for the truth. That is what the people want and that is what we're going to give them. The Food Visionary Dairy Group published a report last October calling for urgent needs to address the negative environmental impacts associated with dairy expansion. Total and utter rubbish. If I could swear I would. And experts are obviously stating that these proposals to basically kill all cows are going to impact the ability for us to eat. The food security issues, which is obviously great. This is is amazing. The best part of this. Just as you can see now with the energy. Who likes expensive energy? We can see energy going through the roof. Do you want expensive energy? As you can see now, food is going to become even more expensive. It's going to make food more expensive. And we still have a large part of the population that is food insecure. Wow, this person is amazing. Who said this? Brett Molini, I love you. And she also said this is true, too, as we can see now within the green environmentalist movement in which the greenists, the radical environmentalists, want to move towards intermittent solar and wind, dilute solar and wind, in which, by the way, is not going to give us energy independence. It's going to make us ultra-reliant upon Russia, which is where we get batteries, solar and wind, so on and so forth from. And this lovely person, Brett Molini, stated and warned that if the US and UK shut down food production... Then it's going to move towards countries with questionable environmental regulations. Ha! Hilarious. So why is this plan totally and utterly, utterly, you know, preposterous, beyond belief? So if you were a radical environmentalist and you were brought into this notion that the world is basically going to end in the next year, and which, by the way, constantly we've been stating for the past 50 years, and that's no joke. If you brought into this narrative, then perhaps there would be a case in which yes, we need to eliminate all CO2s immediately if the world is going to end next year. But it's not. It's catastrophization. As we'll get to, there is a clear climate change industrial complex, as I like to call it. People profiting ESG, green energy companies, are profiting off this. In fact, the environmentalists need to understand that the world is not dying. The world is getting far better, and nobody speaks about this. The whole debate in regards to greenhouse gases has been entirely catastrophized. Let me explain. First of all, CO2 and fossil fuels, these are not entirely bad. As with any policy, one must need to look at both sides of the debate, positives and negatives to CO2 and greenhouse gases and fossil fuels, in which, by the way, the mainstream legacy corrupted system on climate change doesn't do. They solely focus upon the negative aspects of CO2 and fossil fuels. When have, the, when have you ever heard the BBC speak about fossil fuels as the best form of cost-effective, ultra-efficient, naturally beautiful energy, in which it's cost-effective, ultra-efficient, versatile, storable, transportable, and thus ultra-affordable? When have you ever heard the BBC speak about the positive aspects of fossil fuels or CO2? You don't. As we shall go into within one moment, Alex Epstein and Bjorn Longberg, two researchers within this area, whom, by the way, have worked for reputable organisations, specifically within the case Bjorn Longberg. Epstein believes that CO2 increases within the atmosphere has actually been positive, namely due to what he refers to as the fertilisation effect, meaning an increased level of greening too. Moreover, he stated that the effects of CO2 on warming are overstated and are overexaggerated. over-exaggerated, Fossil fuel CO2 emissions have not only contributed towards a mild and manageable warming level, but they've also caused the benefit of significant global greening. Thanks to fossil fuels, the Earth is far greener than it was 40 years ago. According to NASA and their website, they noted the following. Carbon dioxide fertilization is greening the Earth, study finds. From a quarter to half of Earth's vegetated lands has grown, has shown significant greening over the past 35 years, largely due to rising levels of atmospheric CO2, according to a new study published in The Nature Journal on climate change on April the 25th. I believe this was a few years ago. Green leaves use energy from the sunlight through photosynthesis to chemically combine CO2 drawn from the air with water and nutrients tapped from the ground to produce sugars, which are the main sources of food, fiber, and and fuel for life. Studies have shown that increased concentrations of carbon dioxide increase photosynthesis, thus spurring plant growth. And CO2 is most definitely not the sole reason as to why there's been extra growth, but according to the study, the CO2 fertilization explains 70% of the greening effect, which is no trivial kind of uh, process. The second most important driver is nitrogen at 9%, so we see that CO2 plays a major outsized role within this process. There you have it, CO2 is plant food, enough for these plants to eliminate all CO2, kill all fossil fuels, and replace it for intermittent dilute forms of energy, including solar and wind. These plans are just preposterous beyond belief. There is another narrative in which we must take into consideration, and this is the idea that the greenhouse effect is superlinear within nature, meaning that each additional molecule of CO2 contributes towards an additional rate of warming, which, by the way, is entirely untrue and, uh, and catastrophized. The other narrative that we must take into consideration is the notion that the greenhouse effect is going to intensify and thus burn the world. If this were true, then perhaps once again limiting all CO2 and greenhouse gases would make sense. But this is overly catastrophized and is leading to more panic. The main mechanism by which rising CO2 levels influence climate change is related towards the greenhouse effect, a warming effect. And understanding this effect is really key in terms of climate policies. Alex Epstein notes within his writings that all climate impacts of rising CO2 levels come from warming. Whilst we are sometimes led to believe that CO2 itself influences droughts or storms directly, it does not. It can only influence them by causing more warmth in the atmosphere which then can influence droughts or storms. The greenhouse effect applies to a certain class of molecules, water vapor, CO2, and methane. With this greenhouse effect, radiation takes longer to escape than otherwise would be. This effect of the slowing heat escaping is referred to as the greenhouse effect. Alex Epstein notes, it's important to emphasize that the greenhouse effect is not limited to CO2. In fact, the vast majority of the greenhouse effect on Earth comes from water vapor in the atmosphere. Water vapor is much stronger a greenhouse gas than CO2. Theoretical estimations have calculated that without the greenhouse effect, most of which is due to the natural presence of water vapor in the atmosphere, the surface of the Earth would be about 33 degrees Celsius, colder than it is, meaning basically a permanent ultra-ice age in which life could not exist. In effect, the greenhouse gases are at least up to a certain point desperately needed clothing for an Earth which cannot exist beyond a freezing cold universe. The point being is that, once again, there are positive aspects towards the greenhouse effect. The greenhouse effect is not totally negative. We're going to see now that the greenhouse effect has been overly catastrophized. The real question is, what greenhouse effects can we expect from increased CO2 in particular going forward? And to answer this, we must understand the trajectory of greenhouse effect. Meaning, how does the magnitude of CO2 warming impact change as more CO2 is added to the atmosphere? Some phenomena have a linear trajectory. If the greenhouse effect of CO2 was linear, then every additional molecule of CO2 you add to the system would increase the temperature by the same amount as the last one. In some phenomena, the trajectory is superlinear, above linear, or accelerating. If the greenhouse effect was superlinear, every molecule of CO2 you add to the system would be more potent than the last. This is the sense that we get from the most popular treatments for the greenhouse effect then there are phenomena with diminishing or decelerating trajectories. If the greenhouse effect of CO2 were diminishing, every molecule of CO2 you add to the system would be less potent at warming than the last. Anyone discussing this issue should know at least which kind of trajectory the greenhouse effect is following. And this is one big tell. If you speak to someone about climate change and they can't tell you the trajectory of CO2 molecules within the atmosphere, tell them to get lost. Most people believe that the trajectory is accelerating when they hear the narrative that there is a 5 degree warming, they believe that this will mean that the Earth shall just get warmer and faster, until the Earth basically turns into a fireball. But Epstein notes that there is a unanimous consensus among scientists that the greenhouse effect is a diminishing logarithmic effect. The basic reason as to why the greenhouse is a diminishing logarithmic effect is to to a process of saturation. Epstein notes, recall that infrared absorbers temporarily absorb infrared radiation emitted by the surface of the Earth. There is only so much infrared radiation to temporarily absorb. Alex uses the analogy of sunglasses to explain his point. Think of it like putting multiple sunglasses on top of one another. The first pair of sunglasses blocks out a lot of light, leaving not too much. The second pair blocks out a lot of the remaining, small amount of light but overall blocks out less than the last one. The third pair has even less light to work with, and so on. Just as each additional pair of sunglasses absorbs less light, So each additional molecule of CO2 absorbs less heat. By most estimations, the greenhouse effect from CO2 by itself translates into about 1 degree Celsius every time the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere doubles. And the point is, from a human flourishing perspective, this is a mild, 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 mild effect of warming. This is not a point of concern, specifically in consideration of the fact that we have not doubled the rate of CO2 within the atmosphere. CO2 has not doubled within the atmosphere, not once since the 1850s. And even under extremely, extremely high emission scenarios, we're not not expected to double CO2 within the atmosphere, debunking the radical environmentalists. The point being is that this is more than manageable environmentalists. We do not have to ban everything and then live in a cave or sail around the earth like Greta Blunderberg does. We don't have to do this. This does not mean perhaps we don't have to look towards alternative forms of energy including uh, you know nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is great but nobody wants to speak about this, but it does mean that we don't have to kill thousands of cows and we don't have to kill all farmers and we don't have to eventually starve all humanity. I'm not going to go down the Paul Ehrlich route of noting that basically we need to impose depopulation practices because the world is overpopulated and it's killing the planet. These narratives of catastrophization, of environmentalism, they're incredibly anti-humanistic, and that is all. CO2 is basically a function of productive society, and to limit CO2 within the atmosphere is an absurdity beyond belief. And furthermore, as we've discussed, CO2 within the atmosphere is not solely negative. In fact, in many regards, it's actually positive too, which nobody wants to speak about. So it seems like we can have our cake And eat it too, in which the radical environmentalists don't want to speak about because they obey a religion. They are part of an absurd religion called the pseudo-religious anti-humanistic environmentalist cult. So all of this really speaks towards the radical policies upon environmentalism. What is the real agenda of environmentalism, you may ask then? The woke whole agenda on climate change is entirely catastrophized. There is likely too a climate change industrial complex in which nobody is speaking about profiting greatly off green energy and subsidies and ESG and all that nonsense. Long story short, the whole environmentalist movement is entirely catastrophized and lives by a stupid story, namely the fact that humans are analogous to evil parasites upon the virgin-like planet. They believe that the Earth prior towards humans was in in this kind of state of harmony, the state of utopia, but it was not. The Earth is naturally dynamic, dangerous, and deficient. And we humans have made this earth so great, and we're making it far greater. And I mean, if you believe that we should limit human growth, I, there's something wrong with your head, to be frank. These policies of, of environmentalism are so destructive, they are so anti-humanistic, they're so regressive, and, and they're just so absurd beyond belief. We're not going to die tomorrow. The world is as good as it's ever been. The world is amazing. The world is better than it's ever been in the history of the universe times 10. The notion of environmentalism is dangerous. And by the way, you're never going to hear this on the Corrupted Fake News, so stay tuned to Dantons.com where you can watch the full shows on Dantons.com. Furthermore, you can subscribe here on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, Twitter, wherever. We are everywhere, and we're going to be growing, and we're going to make this into a great media company that makes millions and millions of dollars, serves the public, speaks the truth, and provides a means of dissemination of information, of truth-seeking. That is the whole point of the media, in which the fake, corrupted news shall never do. They're ideologically wrecked, and we're going to destroy them. So join the journey. Join me on this journey to fight the corrupted fake news and find and seek truth. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for more.